Uh, John chapter 6, verse 28 through 59. That's a, that's, I know, almost never, you that have heard me, have, been, have heard me preach, I almost never do this. But when I'm led to do it, I'll do whatever God wants me to do. This is not my normal method. John chapter 6, verse 28 20 through 59. Two big things have happened before this passage, before I'm reading it. We, he fed to 5,000, which ended up really probably being 15,000, 20,000 people. And then he, he uh, uh, stilled the, walked down the water, stilled on the, stilled the storm. That's what he did after before, stilled the storm and, and uh, proved himself. And two great miracles uh, showed his, his power of who he was. See, Jesus was incognito. He did not come looking like a leader. He did not come looking like God manifest in the flesh. He did not come looking like what you would picture to be the Son of God. He came looking like a normal, real, real, common, normal guy. Bible says there's no beauty that we should desire him. There's nothing about Jesus in his look that he looked majestic or looked like a leader or looked like a, he should even be a leader. He came incognito in a little bit, if I may say it that way. And, but he, what he was and what he spoke manifested who he was. And so we're going to start verse 28. This is the bread of life discourse. Maybe one of the more important ones of all the Bible, the bread of life, where he said, many of you know he is the bread of life. We're going to read that. Then said they unto him, question number one, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? Well, that's important. And Jesus answered and said unto them, this is, this is the work of God that you believe on him whom he has sent. I seem like you're a little bit too loud. I'm hearing something real different all of a sudden. What's going on? What do you say? Okay, I'm not going to keep going. If I don't like it, I don't go for it. You know, I'm like an old mule. This is the work. That's too loud, boy. Just turn that down, whatever happened. Or you got the foldbacks on. Or something's wrong. No? Well, the devil's against this? Wobby. He is the prince of power of the air, which is digital. What is the work of God? It's that you know Jesus. What is God trying to do? Help you to know Jesus. God the Father wants you to know the Son. This is the work of God that you believe on him who he has sent. And they, and they said therefore unto him, question number two, what sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee, what dost thou work? Our fathers did eat man in the desert is written, and gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, only occurs in John, by the way, the two very, verily, verilies. Moses gave you not the bread of, from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he. It's a person which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. And they said, and the Lord evermore give us his bread. What Jesus is going to do in this discourse is he's comparing the physical and the spiritual. You're going to see this as you go down through it. Physical versus the spiritual. Physical versus the spiritual. These men, these people were querying him and questioning him and saying, who are you, who are you? They were, their mind was stuck on the physical. And Jesus was trying to bring them to the spiritual part of this. Think about bread and think about nourishment. Think about what you need. 
verse 35. And Jesus said to them, straight up and down, I'm the bread of life. He that come unto me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Right off the bat, you know he's not talking about physical bread. He's not talking about, he's, he's the uh, water also, above may say, but he's, it's not physical. Because if you eat physical bread and drink, drink physical water, you thirst again and you're hungry again. But if you partake, and what is eating but receiving? What is eating? If I see a Krispy Kreme donut just, and it falls off that little, th that little cliff there is in that box, and it's sitting in front of me, and I see a Krispy Kreme donut, Nick Carmen went all the way up there, got it. It's hot, it's soft, it's sweet, it's the best food in the world. It's manna from heaven. If I eat that, I've got to reach out, grab it, and receive it, and bring it into myself. That's what, that's what eating in this passage really is talking about. It's about receiving it. On the bread of life, he that cometh to me is never hunger. He that believeth in me shall never thirst. But, but I say unto you, that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. I love that verse. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but to do the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that all which have, uh, that all, of all which he hath given me, I should lose Nothing. I cannot believe you can lose your salvation because Jesus said, of all that I've received, you can, I can lose nothing. But should, but should raise it up at the last day. Oh, by the way, you want to circle that word last day. We're going to go back to it. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him, and the seeing he's talking about is not just a seeing. It is a seeing with, with understanding. You with me? It's a perception that you perceive that he is the son of God. Okay? And believers on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. The Jews then murmured at him, because he said, I'm the bread which came down from heaven. And, he, and they said, is not this Jesus? The Bible, the, you know, the prophets without honor, his own country among his own kin. That's why it's hard to witness to your own family. Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, who father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered, saying, Then murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up the last day. There that is again. Let us go down to verse 48. I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat man in the wilderness and are dead. They ate physical bread and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven. He's talking about himself. That a man may eat thereof and not die. So obviously, clearly, he's speaking in spiritual terms. I am the living bread, not a dead piece of food. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread or receive it, and shall, he shall live forever. And the bread which I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. He was getting ready to give his body and shed his blood as a sacrifice for all the sins that had been ever committed so that it could satisfy the justice of God and all those sins had been paid for in full. Then he could offer salvation for free 
as a gift because he paid for it. And that's why salvation comes by faith and faith alone. If you try to work for it, you'll never make it. You insult the giver. I give my life for the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, how can he give his flesh to eat? They're thinking earthly. This is a confusing passage. The Roman Catholic Church picks this up, and they decided that when they did communion, Jesus, uh, they, they actually shared Jesus' flesh, and you drank Jesus' blood. And that is absolutely, contextually, not there. And Jesus said in the very last saying to you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. Now, if you take that in its physical sense, you're going to be, you'll believe just like the Roman Catholic Church does. But if you take that in the sense of the entire context of what he's been and what he's going to continue to say, he has to be talking about receiving him who is just getting ready to sacrifice his flesh and shed his blood for the sins of the world, and you can be saved. In verse 57, as the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, and he shall live by, my, by me. And this is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna. See, he says, not, don't take this in a physical realm. Not as your fathers did eat manna. That's as clear as crystal. And they're dead. He that eateth this bread shall live forever. He's talking spiritually. These things say they in a synagogue, and he taught Capernaum. By the way, I have to say I've had the privilege of standing in that synagogue. How many here have been in a synagogue at Capernaum? That's the very place that these words were spoken. Those are the very stones Jesus walked on. Now they're, not, they're not any more holy than these stones that you walk on out here, but it thrilled me to be there. By the way, there weren't nearly this many people there. There was less than 50 people there probably when he spoke this. It may have been outside, but you can't get them in the building. It's a small little building. John starts his chapter out of feeding of the 5,000. He sends his, he sends his uh, disciples out. He calms the storm, walks on the water. He shows them who he is. They said in, in Mark, Matthew 14, 33 of this, of a truth, thou art the Son of God. And so the two miracles that happened before this text simply show Jesus' office as the Son of God. What is the Son of God? It means God, a representative of God to man. Jesus had two offices. He was the Son of God and the Son of Man, at least in this sense. I know he's prophet, priest, and king, but I'm talking here the Son of Man, Son of God. Well, what are those two things? In one, in one respect, when he, when he calmed the storm and walked on water, he was representing the Son of God. He was representing the part of him that is God to man. When he was the son of man, he's representing man to God. It's a beautiful. He represented God to us, so now we can understand who God is. I think it was Philip said, show us the Father. And he said, have you been so long with me and not knowing me? You've seen me, you've seen the Father. So he represented God to man. 
He also represented man to God. The Bible says he's on the right hand of the Father making intercession for us at this very moment. He died on the cross, shed his blood, and purchased for us our salvation. That's why the Bible says, listen, you're bought with a price. You're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are his. And so, we see his two offices here in this passage, both before the passage, of course, representing the Son of God, but this passage at the bread of life, he's representing himself the Son of Man. Look in verse 63 of John. The key verse to interpreting this is in verse 63 of John 6. He says, It is a spirit that quickeneth. The word quickeneth means to make alive. The flesh profiteth nothing. Remember I told you there were two realms of reasoning going on here? You have the spiritual, you have the physical realm and the spiritual realm. Physical realm, spiritual realm. That's what this verse is explaining. It's the spirit that quickeneth and makes alive. The flesh doesn't profit anything. It's going to die and go back to the earth. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So the drinking my blood and eating my flesh was obviously spiritual because it follows into the context of the whole passage. By the way, a, a text without context is a pretext. People will try to snatch things out of the Bible by themselves. The Bible says of itself there's no prophecy of scriptures of any private interpretation. The scripture is to be compared with scripture. It must agree with the whole, or it, you're not, you don't have the right interpretation. That's real simple. It's imperative that one understand that Jesus is not referring literally to eating his flesh and drinking his blood, but is referring to spiritually receiving him. And in a way, receiving his flesh that he gave and his blood that he poured out on Calvary. That his body and blood represented. The payment that the Father demanded for sin, which was death. He told Adam and Eve, the day you eat that fruit, you shall surely die. Somebody had to die. Somebody had to die. When they ate that fruit, somebody had to die. And he wasn't talking about really physical death, though that was part of it. The death he was talking about was eternal separation from God. Because when you're separated from God, that is death. In every definition, you want to define death. The Bible even calls it, in the book of Revelation, the second death. You die, if you're born once, you die twice. If you're born physically and, and don't trust Christ and are born again, then you must die physically and then eventually answer for your own sins and be cast in the lake of fire, which is called the second death. So you die twice. If you're born once and in this life you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, receive Him. That's the eating part. To as many as received Him, to them gave you power to become the children of God, even to them that believe on His name. If you receive Him, you, be, you are born from above. The Holy Spirit comes in, seals you to the day of redemption. You're filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized into the Holy Spirit of God, into the body of Christ. And when you physically die, you spiritually live forever. Because you don't have to answer for your sin. Jesus is answering and has answered for my sins. See, either you're going to answer for your sin or Jesus is going to answer for your sin. Somebody is going to answer for your sin. For God to be just. Now, you wouldn't respect a judge that wasn't just, though we probably have a lot of them across our country. You wouldn't respect a judge that wasn't just. Of all people, a judge is supposed to be blind, liberty, blindfolded, not supposed to have any prejudice. 
Supposed to interpret that law, what's right and wrong. And you expect at least that of God. I noticed when I was analyzing this passage, some of the words that occur, and it helps me sometimes as I go through a place, a place of the scripture just to look at some of the words. Heaven's mentioned ten times in these verses that I read. Ten times. Spiritual. Down from heaven's mentioned seven times. Bread is mentioned 14 times. Eat or receive is mentioned eight times. Life is mentioned eight times. The kind of life that's mentioned is eternal life, everlasting life, and live forever. So what does that say? The major emphasis of this bread of life discourse is Jesus Christ dying for our sins and, and being the very essence of life for us. Jesus refers to himself. He's the bread of God, the bread of life, the bread down from heaven, and the living bread. Now, bread is food. You say, Brother Bill, I don't, I don't like food. I've never met anybody who didn't want to eat. One way or another, they wanted to eat. Now, people sometimes like food more than others, amen? I mean, when I described that Krispy Kreme, there were people in here sinning. They're just about ready to walk out, go down and get them a whole dozen of them things with a cup of coffee, eat them all. I mean, I don't know what happens to the system of your body that's, that, that has to process sugar, but when you eat a dozen Krispy Kreme, whoo, you've got a lot of sugar in you. <laughs> Jesus Christ is a spiritual manna, the living bread of God from heaven. He will sustain eternal life in all those who eat or receive him. Remember John 6, 63. The spiritual is what really counts. So Jesus had fed the 5,000 plus like 20,000 people earthly food, but that was temporary. Now he takes the concept of food, bread, and he raises it up a notch to a spiritual context. And as God gave manna from heaven to those in the wilderness to sustain their earthly life, Jesus, as the heavenly manna sent from heaven, if received and internalized through faith, will sustain your spiritual life and ultimately give eternal life and reunite you with a new body, which is like unto his glorious body, forever. You, ask me, you may ask the question, what is this last day thing? Well, let me take a little caveat here on the last day. It's mentioned four times here in this passage and mentioned two other times in the book of John. It is a time, the last day is a reference to a day of reckoning. A day of reckoning. Do you know you've got a day of reckoning coming? Every one of us has a last day come, a, la a day of reckoning. Now, I'm not talking about the last day on earth now. I'm talking about the last day, I mean, a time of, in the Bible, it's a time of resurrection. Uh, John 11, verse 24 says, Martha said unto him, I know that uh, her, her brother Lazarus shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day, at his time of reckoning. Uh, in John chapter 12, verse 48, he see, Jesus said, He that rejecteth me receiveth not my words, hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. So the last day is a time of judgment. It's a time of reckoning. It also is a time of resurrection. By the way, whether you've received Christ or not, you're, you're going to be resurrected. You may not know that. 
The Bible teaches that everybody that's ever taken a breath will be resurrected. And you're going to be given an eternal body. So I can say this, biblically true. You, in the sound of my voice, or here, are going to live somewhere forever. The question is where? The question this morning is where are you going to live? The last days is spoken nowhere else but the Gospel of John. And so it is a general term for a day that you will be judged for the deeds done in your body, whether it be good or bad. As a born-again believer, having been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, you'll be declared justified, not guilty, because all your sin will go on the Son of God and the Son of Man. The folks who have rejected Jesus some way or another, missed Him, ignored Him, believed He's a fool, a liar, they will be judged for the deeds done in their body, and they will be declared guilty as charged. The Bible says it this way. Every mouth will be stopped. There'll be nobody going, I'm not guilty, I'm not guilty. Man, you go to prison. I did prison ministry, and, I, and I'll tell you, half the people, maybe over half the people in prison are wrongly there. They're, they're innocently charged. They're innocent. I mean, I couldn't believe how many people in prison are innocent. We're, we're Brother Steve. Is that not true? You know, I was framed. You know, I, I really didn't do this. It was another guy. And, and, it's, and I thought, man, our justice system is horrible. We're putting all these innocent people behind bars. Well, let me tell you about our justice system in the United States. It's the best one in the entire world. Its premise is that we will let nine guilty people go free, and they do, to save one innocent person from going to jail wrongly. Our system leans to the criminal. You always wondered why that was. That's because our forefathers came from a very harsh environment with King George where he didn't mind putting innocent people behind bars for the rest of their life. He didn't care too much about evidence. And it, when the people that, that formed America wanted a system that leaned in favor of the people. And so you'll see nine Guilty people, mistrial gets off, evidence is tampered with, gets off, a little of this happened, they get off, and you're like, that is that way to keep an innocent person from being wrongly charged and imprisoned. And even after all of that, that happens once in a while. Once in a while, I feel so sad, I hear somebody being released from 20 years of prison, they finally did a DNA or something on a guy and found it wasn't him that did it. Wow. But the truth is, in prison, most of them people think they're innocent. They're not. They're not going to be able to stand before God and say, I'm innocent. Yeah, I'm framed. I couldn't help it. The evidence is going to be brought forth of their, of their sin, and the sin evidence is going to be so great that the Bible says their mouth will be stopped, and they'll be guilty before God. The Bible just picks them falling down upon their knees and saying, Lord, Jesus, thou art Lord. Every... Knees shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, God the Father. I just about choked on my own spit. <laughs> oh, that was bad. <laughs> At least I woke you up. <clears throat> okay. Okay. Okay, I'm going to get a little drink here. 
I suppose that's getting even with me for asking my granddaughter to sing with me. Oh, I suppose what comes around goes around, goes around, comes around. Amen. I've been humble almost every way a person can be humble in the pulpit. My, I'm good. I don't, I, you don't have to do no more. The question I end with is what happens to someone that takes of this bread, this bread from heaven, this living bread, this bread of life? What happens to them? First of all, Jesus said, you never hunger. You ever been hungry? I mean hungry. Years ago, we started doing a week fast. I was in my 40s, and we started doing a one-week fast. A week, seven days, seven 24-hour period. You have to define it or people cheat. Seven 24-hour periods, only water. Only water. Seven 24-hour periods, only water. So a bunch of us did it. And what I realized is 99% of all commercials on TV have to do with food. We couldn't watch TV. Pretty soon, about three days into it, I had just couldn't watch TV. Because they always uh, portray the food as the, you know, steamy, hot, and you're sitting there going, I'll eat this microphone. And the third day was the worst. It got better. Fourth day, fifth day, but never got good. Seventh day, my knees were weak. I worked all the time through it. Showered every day, got up, was you know, went around. But I was food was on my. You know that song you're always on my mind. He was talking about a cheeseburger. <laughs> I mean, I just wanted me. Uh, you know, I, I'd love to tell my wife. You know, I've really been thinking about you, but I've been lying. I've been thinking about a McDonald's a Big Mac and a big old order of fries when they used to be fried in animal fat, and they were good. These health food people have robbed me. Oh, I'm upset now. They've robbed me of McDonald's French fries. Vegetable. that. But you know what? If you partake of Jesus Christ, you're never going to hunger. But everything you try in this world, whether it be sexual pleasure, or buying stuff, or money, or health, or any other avenue you try to find satisfaction in, just like Mick Jagger said, he couldn't get any satisfaction, and nobody else will get any satisfaction without Jesus. Ha. you got to have Christ. He is the bread of life. There's not two of them. There's not breads of life. There's the bread. God offers us a Savior. There was a show, there was a TV program on One God, Three Face. I'm sorry, but they're wrong. Because if all roads lead to heaven as they try to propagate, then Jesus is a liar and he's not one of them. Because Jesus said there was but one road, his road. And he was the way, he was the truth, he was the light. No man, no man, no man cometh unto the Father but by him. Now look, 
what is fuzzy about that? What is gray about that? And there's many other places of Scripture that he talked about his exclusivity as not a Savior, but the Savior. Now answer me the question, how in the world can you entertain in your mind that there is more than one way to heaven? If there is more than one way to heaven, God the Father is a beast because he sacrificed his son when there was another way. He wouldn't have had to do it. But he did it because there was no other way. When Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's sweating, as it were, drops of blood because he's under such pressure. And he said, oh, Father, if it be possible, this cup pass from me. Let me tell you, he's mocking Jesus if there was another way to be saved. There is no other way. This bread totally satisfies. Why? It's from heaven. The devil offers, I get so heart sick at watching people chase the junk the devil offers them. They chase the ever, you know, they chase the money bunny. They chase the uh, 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 physical, I'm, I'm physical, you know, shape, you know. Uh, almost, uh, this is, now, I'm not against being physically fairly in shape, fair. But if you're looking for satisfaction from that, it's going to disappoint you. There's nothing the devil offers in this world that will satisfy that hole that God has placed in you that only he can fit in. Every human being has a vacuum in them that only God can fit in and only God can fill. And you may try every kind of thing and may run the race and eventually lose and miss it. Don't do it. So we learn in verse 56, He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. Boy, if you get off of the fact that you're actually trying to drink his blood and eat his flesh, you understand real clearly he's talking about receiving him. This blood was shed and flesh was given to satisfy the price for sin. I believe Jesus in this passage explained his purpose for coming to them in terms that they would understand. I'm the living bread, which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. He that eat, uh, and that bread that I will give is my flesh, and which I will give for the life of the world. Have you partaken this morning of the bread of life? Do you know him? Or have you just tasted the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. But you've got to do more than taste. You've got to partake of it. Eat it. Have you ever had something real good, that's, you know, finger food like this, and you know it's real good? I mean, you know it's just real good. And somebody around here makes some meatballs. They make these little meatballs about like that big. And trust me when I tell you, they're some of the best eating I've ever had anywhere. I don't even know who makes them. But when we have finger food, sometimes I see those little meatballs. And immediately I push through the crowd. No, I don't. I go over there to the meatballs, and when I get my turn, if anything's left, and I take and I take a few of them meatballs and put them on my plate, not too many, and I go around to somebody I really love, like Brother Irvine. Brother Irvine, 
these meatballs are the best I ever had, man. And I got a fork there, brother. Nobody's ever used it. You want one? He says, oh, I want one. Now, when I give that to brother Irvine, he don't take a little, he don't take him a little insult bite. He puts that baby in his mouth and cleans a fork. And that makes me happy. Because you have partaken of it. There's people that go to God and they kind of come to church once in a while, do God a favor, check in, see, hey, I'm here, give a dollar or two in the offering and think they're all doing okay. All they're doing is tasting. God says there's only one way you're going to get what I've got, and that's you're going to have to eat it. Open your mouth wide, the Bible says. Open your mouth wide and receive the things of God. And say, I'm in all the way, God. I'm in all the way. I want it all. And God says, you do that, I'll give you eternal life. I'll satisfy the very longing of your soul. And I'll just tell you, you can't satisfy a human being. They get a new truck, pretty soon they want another one. They want a new house, they want another one. They change houses every four or five years. They change vehicles every two, three years. They change wives every 20 years. They, they, oh yeah. Change, 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 because they're not happy, not happy, not happy. Not, I've lived in one house for 18 years, and the only reason I moved, because God came to me and said move. I moved this house, I've been 22 years. Listen, I want to die. I don't ever want to move again. I've been here for 40 years. I'm not into change. I'm here, I'm into sticking it out, brother. You trust Christ, grab a hold of it and go all the way. Digest it. Eat of the Son of God. Hanging around Jesus won't do it. Smelling. You know, people get around things of God. The things of God smell good. Do you know that? You, am I talking to you? The things of God, holiness is beautiful. First of all, the beauty of holiness is beautiful. Holiness is literally beautiful. And it smells good. Have you ever been into a house they're cooking brownies? You walk into that house, it hits you like somebody smacked you in the face. Oh. That is Jesus. Everything about Jesus is good. I mean, he tastes good. He smells good. Uh, he satisfies my longing. He said to you, he's saying to you this morning, I'm the bread of life. What are you going to do with it? Many of you have tasted and have then eaten of the Son of God. And if you haven't, and you're just, you're just around Christians and around church, and you're kind of circling it, why don't this morning you say, I'm coming in, I'm coming in. I want him. Because life's short. Death is sure. Sin the cause. Christ's secure. You might as well get it right now because you may walk out of here and one of these 90-year-olds may run you over and wonder what they hit. <laughs> My mother sideswiped a brand new car. I felt so bad about it. She turned in and hit the back quarters, two doors and front quarter, took them all out, all four of them. And her, she went in like that and parked. 
I went over to her and said, Mom, Mom, you just, you just sideswiped this guy's brand new car. I mean, put a dent in a big old nasty. She said, I didn't hit nothing. I said, Mom, right there, there's a car. Well, I was that way before I got here. My mother was not a liar, but she was old. Hard for me to go in that restaurant and say, anybody own the brand new four-door, whatever it was? And the guy said, he looked at me, he got white. Yeah, that, yeah, I own that. I said, uh, you got to come out here. And when he looked at that, he said, that car won three weeks old. So and he said, look, it'll never be the same. I said, trade it. Trade it. <laughs> trade it. My 87-year-old, my 86-year-old mother popped you. I hope you don't miss Jesus. Father, help us today. In the name above every name. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida, also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.